Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green podcast, found exclusively on our Vineyard Bowling Green app. We hope you enjoy this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Everybody said, amen. So this morning, we're going to be talking about a culture of appreciation. And um, I'm, there's the kid again, and he's just a cutie. That's not Leon, by the way. A couple people thought it was. Um, I would never dress my kid up for a church function like that to, like, be a church prop. Don't worry. I'm not going to say, all right, Leon, I need a slide of a kid. Here's a picture. So, um, but, uh, hey, I wouldn't know how to do that. So, um, but we're going to be talking about a, a creating a culture of appreciation. And I was meeting with someone a few days ago, and I was telling this how, how this came about this culture of appreciation, this conversation. And we were going over the Great Commission a few weeks back, and we were doing that for really about four weeks. And um, and we were talking about how Jesus told us to go, right? We see that in Matthew. Jesus told us to go and to make disciples, to do what he, he taught us. And there are times when God reveals something to you, and it's pretty clear. But then there's some sometimes that God shows you something, and it hits you kind of like a, a, a ton of bricks, and that's what happened here. Um, I started thinking about those who answered that call from Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Chug, chug. Yeah. Um, but I started thinking about, and it just kind of weighed on my heart a little bit, um, to think about those who came before us. Um, all of the work that the church has put in throughout the years, all of the prayers, the songs that have been sung, the moments shared, um, the moments that have been, you know, unshared, you know, like the moments that we don't really know about, just people just praying in their prayer closets, people just spending time with the Lord, praying for things that, um, you know, many people don't really know about, thinking about all the scriptures that have been read, all of this just personal history that people have with the Lord and this collective church history that we have together with the Lord and how because of that, we can actively pursue our faith today. Because of the lessons learned and just the, the church and how it's been built, um, the way it's been shaped and it's been molded over the past few years, um, past several years, I mean, that just started to really weigh on me a lot. Um, you know, and it started to teach me about, like, what am I doing right now to carry that forward? You know, what, what are we doing right now whenever Jesus says to go and make disciples? We are here today, and the church is strong today because, A, God is alive and God is real. But we responded to what Jesus told us to do. The church has been responding to what Jesus has told us to do, to go and to make disciples, to teach people. And um, so last week we watched a video and it was recorded from a Vineyard conference a few years ago. And the speaker was Eleanor Mumford. And if you haven't checked that out, that's on our Facebook page. It's on YouTube as well. And Eleanor's an awesome lady, if you couldn't tell and if you couldn't gather that from the video. But she just th- shared so many stories that reflected and mirrored also what so many other churches have been praying for and living for and working for for so long. And, uh, and I thought it was important for us to take a moment to be intentional and create an opportunity for us to appreciate what came before us as a church together. But just as important, I want us to look at what came before you as an individual this morning. I want you to think about, so yeah, the, 
we have this collective nature in the church, like of all of us together doing all these great things. But individually this morning, I want us to take a few minutes to just reflect on who those people were praying for you individually to encounter the Lord. The friends, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, the wives, the husbands, the moms, the dads, the grandparents, the teachers, the coaches, whoever, whoever it is, the stranger on the street that said, hey, this is Jesus. The people that maybe you just saw and you watched and you were inspired by the way they lived. And no matter what your background is, that you are here this morning because somebody else, somebody else answered the great commission to go and to make. Rather than just to wait for you to come to them, but they, they, they did something about it for you. And so I actually want us just to take just a few moments. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer real quick. And I just want a moment of reflection. I know we don't really do that that often here. But I just want us to close our eyes. And let's just, I'm just going to say a quick prayer, just honoring. Lord, we're just so thankful for those that came before us. Lord, the people that have had a direct impact on our life. The people that believed in us when we didn't believe in ourselves. The people that taught us, taught us to be courageous, taught us to take risks, taught us to be brave, Lord. Whatever our personal history looks like here this morning, Lord, whether it's weak or whether it's strong, we just say thank you for bringing those people in our lives. From pastors to teachers to campus ministry, workers to volunteers, whatever it is, Lord, people that have existed in our life, have been in our path to bring us forward. We just say thank you, Lord. And we honor them this morning. Amen. And I think in honoring the past, we are able to learn from the great achievements and even greater mistakes that took place throughout the history. And this can be said of our personal history. We can take that knowledge with the power of hindsight, right? Everybody loves hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. And we can take the power of hindsight to really gain wisdom and great wisdom and understanding of today. And because of that, maybe we can have a prediction of what may come tomorrow. We just have to be willing to reflect and learn and we have to be willing to be honest, to deconstruct and kind of reverse engineer what has happened in the past in order to take advantage of the present and build towards the future. Because living in the present with the respect of understanding that past, whatever it is, allows us to live each day to the fullest and gives us ability to recognize and take advantage of the opportunities that come our way. Because opportunities exist every single day in our lives, especially to tell people about Jesus, either by example or by actually having conversations with them. The present, the, the present really is the only moment we ever actually exist in, and we can do something about it right now. Our response now it's not just static, okay? It doesn't just go away. Our response now, it, it, it builds something for the future. It's not wasted. It doesn't just go to just some empty space. What we do right now, how we react to things and respond to things right now, builds for a better future. So we take what the past has taught us to build a better future. So how do we create a better future? Everything we have done in the past and everything we are doing in the present is helping create 
the future. If we want a bright future, we have to start working towards it today and understanding the value of it right now today. The burden of responsibility is ours and that of every single individual that we have to understand that you were born for a reason, you exist for a reason, and the reason is is to be present in what you are, where you're at right now today and where you live right now today, in the job that you have today, in the class that you have today, in the whatever you have right now today, be present and engaged in it right now. And as a world of individuals, the only way to really affect the future is to take action in the present. So my question for you this morning is, what is taking priority in your life right now? Because even if you don't realize it, it's affecting your future. So what is taking priority in your life right now? Because whether you realize it or not, it is affecting your future. So with that said, okay, we have whatever this mission is, whatever is presently in front of us, our jobs, our, our school, our work, family, whatever it is that's right in front of us that's, that meets us daily. With that said, what role does anxiety, fear, anger, insecurities, worry, you know, what role of security and pride and all these things, what do these things play how do they play a role in the present circumstances that you're dealing with right now? How do we take these, these kinds of things and how are they robbing us from the present and living fully the way we're supposed to live? Okay, and this morning I'm talking about anxiety, talking about, you know, fear, anger, all these things as being, as being real distractions in our lives. Unnecessary anxieties being distractions in our lives. Distract us from being very present as we build towards the future. Okay? But also, this includes what we take from the past. We take from our DNA. We take from our history with God. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I was reading in Matthew chapter 4 not long ago. And I was reminded of a great, great, great set of scriptures that we're going to read. And a great story that we're going to read and that's when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert. So why don't you go ahead and pull up the scripture, Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11, and we're going to read that this morning. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on, the, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. All this I will give you if you, bow, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. 
And so just speaking towards temptations and distractions, I want us to, to look at how we can become vulnerable to the distractions that surround us. I want us to talk about becoming vulnerable to the distractions around us. I want us to take a moment to brag on our church a little bit and to brag on each and every one of you. Um, I love this church so much. You guys are family, your friends. I, I, I love you guys so much. But it's not lost on anyone out there that there is tension right now just in our country, in our city, in our state, that there's just tension. 2020 has brought a bit of tension. Would you guys agree with me? Just a little bit, okay? Just a little tiny bit of maybe temptation into the confusion, into the frustration, into the anger, into the, it's brought some funk with it, okay? And there is tension around us, um, but, um, and the thing is just as, there's tension like around every election year, right? But just as we become more resourceful in technology and just putting content out there, it just seems like it's just so hard just to catch a break from it. You know, it's just everywhere you go, you get on YouTube, there's an ad. You get on your computer, there's an ad. You go to the, you know, you go to check out at Kroger and there's people arguing all around you and just stuff. Just everywhere you go, it just seems like the tension is so much harder to just step away from. And I love our church so much because as I look around the room and I know that we have so many different people in here on different political sides, on different values, different beliefs, and just stuff like that. I'm so proud of this church. And furthermore, I think it's part of our calling as a church to be able to be an example of what it means to stand up for what you believe in, okay? Stand up for what you believe in, for what you believe is to be helpful to our nation and our community, but at the same time, living life in fullness with your neighbors, Living life in fullness with your family that may disagree with you. Living life in fullness with your coworkers that disagree with you. And I think that we are called as Christians to set an example of what it means to value what we value, but also set an example of what it means to be a light into this world and to stand out differently. I think that that's our role, not only just as Vineyard Bowling Green, but as, as sons and daughters to Christ. I think that's our role who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, teaching us great things like love, patience, kindness, right? All these things, that's how we actually become a light and we contrast the darkness versus just blending in. Amen? It's really good, that's really important. And as we look back at our history and look around those who came before us, okay, we can't have recency bias here, we can all rest and put great faith that the church has had to stand through much worse than 2020. The church has had to stand through much worse than 2020. 2020 has been a heck of a year. We've, we've, we've covered that. But no matter who the president is, we put our faith in Jesus and we in turn put our faith in one another. Okay? And the church has stood the test of time for a long time in much harsher circumstances harsher circumstances, and the church absolutely teaches us things to instill certain values and beliefs and teaches us a way of life, but the temptation to live our lives out of political anxiety, political frustration, political fear, political pride, etc., it's one of the oldest temptations to mankind. And we're going to look at that. It's one of the oldest temptations to mankind. We just read about the time Jesus was tempted in the desert. Okay, and it's not lost on Jesus here to be a certain type of person. 
okay, to be a certain type of savior. It's not lost on what the expectations that Jesus felt on him. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Everyone was expecting this Messiah to be a political figure. Everyone was expecting this Jesus to come in and to be a ruler of nations in a literal sense. That's kind of the expectation that they had, that Jesus had on him. They were expecting a structure of life built by a government that reflected their ideology of freedom and worship and a way of life. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a need for that. With that said, that doesn't mean that there was a bad desire to expect that or to want that, okay? There was a need and a desire, and frankly, it probably would have been really, really good and pretty cool for Jesus to come down and just rule it with, the, with an iron fist and say, this is what we're doing. It probably would have saved a lot of trouble in a lot of ways. But there is this desire that was much bigger than that. There's this desire from God the Father that was much bigger than that, okay, than just actively just bringing political freedom and justice to the Jewish people. This, this was the expectation for the most part all the way from the birth of Jesus. The wise men told King Herod and the king being born, and that threatened Herod, right? So the wise men told King Herod, hey, the king is being born, and that threatened King Herod. All the way to the back, back to the birth of Jesus, right, there was this expectation. Herod, through the Savior, was going to look um, a, a little differently, too, and, and thought Jesus might actually threaten his empire. So G- Herod thought that this Savior Jesus, this King Jesus, was going to come in and threaten his, his empire. And Herod was so threatened that Jesus was going to build an empire that he and all the other newborn babies were pretty much sentenced to death. The threat was real. The expectation was real. Again, talking about harsher environments being harder than two, 2020. Here, here we are, Emmanuel, God is finally with us. God is finally with us, Emmanuel, and the world was still a catastrophe threatened by violence and politics. So Jesus from day one had this sense of false identity on him. From day one had this sense of false expectation on him to be a certain type of leader, to be a certain type of savior, a savior that made sense to them in the present That's what's key here, a savior that made sense to them in the present to fix their present circumstances, their present misery, right? But God doesn't just live in the present, and that's a very good thing. God doesn't just live in the present. God wasn't just thinking about freeing the Jewish people from the Roman Empire, okay? He was thinking about the many, many many empires that were to come after. He was thinking about much further, he was thinking about you and I today living in a country that doesn't even exist back then, didn't even exist. In a land that we didn't know existed. And we too have to think deeper into the landscape of the kingdom of God and how it's bigger than just politics. We have to. And we too have to see the world through a deeper lens. But let's go back to the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert. I believe Jesus was tempted here because he felt the struggle here. I believe that Jesus felt the identity of his people. Jesus knew the pains that the Jewish people were going through. He understood that, that what, what, 
what the toll of the Romans were doing on, on his people at the time and what it meant to his people to have this kind of freedom lifted off from them. And the last temptation from the devil is, I will give all this to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And that drew the line for Jesus. Could you imagine if we would have been present in the desert with Jesus and we were able to take part in this conversation? Could you imagine we would have been like Jesus? This actually sounds pretty good. If you get to be in charge, I'm on board with that one. I like it. I think you're going to solve a lot of problems down the road, right? It makes sense. It makes sense for us to desire that. That sounds pretty good. I don't know. You know, we could, we could have this conversation with, conversation with Jesus saying, I don't know if you know this or not, but politics are really important, and there's a lot of stuff we can prevent if you just go ahead and permanently just take over. Right? We could stop a lot of problems. We could stop a lot of poverty, a lot of wars, a lot of death, etc. We could do so much good, Jesus. We would have justified Jesus giving in to that temptation. And I've mentioned a few times this year about how sometimes when we think we know what's best, when we think we know what God wants, we take matters into our own hands. Whether it's the Lord or not, we just say it's the Lord and we take matter in our own hands sometimes. The temptation is real. And I'm so thankful that Jesus knew the heart of the Father and the Father trusted Jesus and that Jesus was so faithful even when it was so hard. If you think about it, Jesus was tempted with what he wanted and with what he needed. Think about it, Jesus wanted food. Jesus wanted to be worshiped and Jesus wanted the kingdoms. That's what Jesus' heart was for. What's the great commission? To go into the world. He wanted food, he wanted to be worshiped and he wanted the kingdoms. And Jesus got what he wanted and is getting what he wanted. But on the right terms in God's timing, I'm sure Jesus is eating pretty good right now. I don't know what the menu is in heaven, but it's pretty good. My grandam passed away last year around this time. If you knew my grandam and the way she talked to restaurant staff, I guarantee you if heaven had a problem in their kitchen, grandam got it worked out. All right? So at least for the last 12 months or so, Jesus has been eating pretty good. All right? Maybe Cajun, but it's good. So I'm, I'm sure Jesus is eating good. He was tempted with food, right? He was tempted with worship. Jesus is still being worshiped today, amen? Right? Jesus is being worshiped all around the world, amen? This morning, it's happening. Jesus got what he wanted in God's time. But could you imagine the pressure that Jesus felt? Jesus felt the need and understood, I'm sure understood the big picture of what was expected on him right, concerning other people in the present moment, going, we could really set something up here. But Jesus wasn't about, wasn't just thinking about the Jewish people. He was thinking about the Gentiles. He was thinking about the church in, only, in, in early Rome. Jesus was also thinking about you and I in the generations to come. God was shaping his son to be the ruler of the heavens and earth for eternity, 
not just for a temporary moment. And I think this actually was on the heart of Jesus and that's why he was tempted here. I think there was a spot of vulnerability. I think Jesus believes that he could feel, I really believe that Jesus could probably feel the deflation when he was maybe not living up to the political hype that the Israelites thought the Messiah would be. And this shows up, right? And this shows you just how holy and righteous that Jesus actually is and Jesus was then. This just shows you how committed to the Father he really was. This speaks higher volumes to me than, 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 than Jesus was just tempted, just like you and I, so we can overcome temptation. It's bigger than just overcoming temptation. It's looking at what he was actually vulnerable at, just like we get tempted in areas of vulnerability and seeing what was actually on the heart of Jesus here and seeing what actually Jesus wanted. This is bigger than just saying, hey, you can overcome sin and you can overcome temptation. This is understanding the heart of the Father and understanding the vision of the Father for heaven to come to this earth for eternity. It's bigger Jesus came into a catastrophic, violent world in one of the least important places on earth and was marked and identified as the Savior and was tempted with power, and Jesus said, no. And the reason I say all this is because right now, our response to what is going on around us, what we value, how we treat each other, how we pray, it's all shaping us, and because it's shaping us right now, it's shaping the future. It's absolutely shaping the future. So your response, your reaction, it's part of the shaping. It's part of the shaping. It's part of the molding of our nation and our church in the nation. The church has been through one political crisis after another as we look through her past. The church has existed in some of the most successful nations and some of the least successful nations. And despite what happens in the next couple of months and whatever you feel is valuable, I encourage you to think deeper and to see further for generations to come. Um, I had something written out here, and I didn't even ask his permission, but I had something written out here. And as I was reading it over it this morning, I liked, I liked what it w was said. Ben shared something yesterday on, uh, on Holy Instagram. And, uh, and I, I wanted to read that. And so, um, because I pretty much had the same thing written, but his version was much shorter. So I was like, I like this. Okay, and this is going to be kind of political, okay? But I think, it's, I think it's good. It says this. After the elections are over, your neighbors will still be your neighbors. Trump won't be there to ring up your groceries. Your neighbors will be. Biden won't be there to fix your car or to help you out with yard work, your neighbors will be. Both Trump and Biden will still be in their world and we will be in ours. They'll both be doing their thing while you and I live together, work together, learn together, shop together, eat together, worship together, and pump our gas next to one another. We are what makes America great. We are the ones who chose to be decent, loving, caring, and compassionate. And then it says, vote for whoever you choose to vote for in November. But remember, we the people choose to shape our communities, not just them. And I thought this was such a powerful message to be shared right now. 
as believers, we set a higher standard. That's what this is really about this morning, is as believers, we set a higher standard. That's what we're called to be, it's just this higher standard, right? To bring healing and brokenness, to bring laughter and joy and pain and suffering, right? We are to be a light in the darkness. Now that can come in powerful ways, absolutely. It's not just rainbows and gumdrops. It can come in powerful ways. It can come in, 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 in ways that are very real and present and comes with, 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 with us stepping out in faith and risk and being scared and, and crying and hugging with our neighbors and friends. It can be real. But we are called to be a lightness and to live at a higher level, at a higher standard. And the church has done this for a long time. That's why I have so much faith in the church today. Because although we are new at this, the Lord is not new at this. And he's using us the same way he used them. That's why I want us to have this culture of appreciation of saying, these guys did it before us and we're gonna continue to do it today. And the one thing I can be certain is that part of being a good neighbor is not hiding or backing away in isolation or our little camps of likeness or our little echo chambers. We are called to go out and to teach people about Jesus by the way we live our lives. And we do this in love the way that Jesus did. We don't just sit back and wait for people to come to us. We go out and we live our lives with faith, hope, and love aggressively. So don't just sit back and, and, and allow the temptations to rob you from what you're supposed to be doing. Don't just watch the news and then be tempted to judge and to form an opinion and to hate your neighbor. I promise you will live in a much deeper connection with the Father if you ignore that temptation from the devil. I promise. Just like Jesus, if you resist the temptation of what you believe you absolutely need right now, you will be in a deeper connection with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Bobby, come on up.